last Wednesday night, uh, and we will have her uh, back on the show in the fall. Uh, so have no fear. Uh, we will get to that topic. Uh, it's uh, as interesting as that sounds, the divine erotica and feminine of Judaism, uh, but it's going to have to wait just a little bit. So... Um, Anyway, uh, let me go ahead and uh, say hello to Raina, and uh, we will get going tonight with our show on the Tarot, Cycles of Life, and Universal Patterns of Transformation. So, Raina, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me again. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, um, yeah, the Cycles of Life are really um, powerful in the sense uh, when you look at the first 22 major arcanas of the tarot, they, and I find it very fascinating, very synchronistic that you're actually taking a class and that the person is also focusing, and which does not surprise me because the, the first 22 cards are, uh, as I said, the major arcanas. They are the great universal images that point to a more... Um, Archetypal, if not, I would say, alchemical vantage point. They're really a reflection of the, the dream of the collective consciousness or the collective unconscious, actually. And um, the, the minor arcanas are all pretty much contained in one of the cards. And if, if you go get like a psychic reading or something like that, most of the time, the, the reading will focus on the minor arcanas because the minor arcanas are really more related to everyday life, to the happenings of everyday life. But on a, on a higher level, if you will, an archetypal level or a spiritual level, the 22 first cards are the ones that deal with the, the great arcs of transformation that a human being goes through in their lifetime which is why okay. when you're actually studying them, you, you will see, you know, that more um, prevalent connection, I would say. And, and you know, and I just thought, uh, because, I, you know, I didn't really get a chance to ask the question, I just thought maybe the teacher divided it up, and because she's going to do the minor arcana starting in January, I thought maybe it was just way too much to cover in six weeks, so this was just a logical way to divide it, but uh, obviously there's more to it than that. Uh, I know she, last night, she described the, um, the the major arcana uh, from the standpoint of a hero or the heroine's journey and how each card sort of fits into that. Yeah, that's a very interesting point of view. I think for me, uh, yes, you can look at it definitely as a, a hero's journey, but the hero's journey is more sort of a, like the journey to uh, a promised land or like starting at one point, going through stuff, and then arriving at the end. But I see the, um, the major arcanas more as cycles and are recurring um, challenges, if you will, or uh, enlightening perspectives that we go through again and again until, you know, we are done. So I, I mm-hmm. see it more as cycles than a straight line, which is for me always the, the thing with the hero's journey is that it tends to be a particular a straight path, line. you know. 
a straight line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. So, so, um, so, two pronged question: What's the point of the tarot uh, other than to tell the future? And are are you a reader? Do you do you read the cards for yourself or for friends? Well. Um, the point of the card is that they illuminate and give us a perspective that is more universal for what we are going through. So I, I see them not just as illuminating our future, but actually illuminating our present um, in a sense that they will give us a perspective outside our own personal sense of story. We can get really caught up in our story and and believe certain things about our lives because of what's going on, the experience we're going through. But what the Tarot card will help us do is actually step outside that story and get a much bigger, more universal perspective on what's happening. So now, now um, yes, go ahead. Well, I was going to ask you, so... The tarot deck would be totally different than, say, an oracle deck, or maybe it depends on the oracle deck. Well, the tarot cards go back, uh, go way, way back. They're very, uh, very old, and they they have a lot of similarities with alchemy and alchemical images, and they rose up uh, sort of at the same time. They became... Um, more um, defined and put together in, in especially the tarot in the way that they are still to this day um, at a convergence of, of particular time and place. Like the first tarot that we know of, the way it, it was created and, and, and still really functions to this day was the Tarot of Marseille. So why Marseille? Marseille is a port in the south of France. And at the time of um, the Middle Ages and the early Renaissance, it was a port that had all these confluence of ideas and, and influences from the Far East. The Silk Road ended up in Marseille all the way to India and China. You have all of these great discoveries like Marco Polo out of Italy and so on happening. And so you get all of these influences and ideas coming to this port and, and, and the synthesis of these powerful images are really universal in that literal sense as well. That you get these, this you know, um, North African, Indian and and uh, Far Eastern influences that all come together in the deck. And you have symbolism that really speaks, although it's, it's European in essence, but it also applies to a really universal sense of humanity because of where it started and how it was brought together. Okay, okay. Um, well, you know, uh, I, uh, as as far as the um, the difference between the archetypal point of view, um, now I know you've you've talked about that a little bit, but um, I, but I wonder because um, maybe I missed it in the explanation. So let me just ask it a different way. Um, what's the difference between an archetypal point of view and a regular reading in the tarot? 
Well, the the the, the main difference um, would be um, on on an from an archetypal point of view, you will have uh, an interpretation that really tries to address uh, uh, the soul's uh, uh, adventure, if you will, the soul's destiny. Whereas if you just look at it from a regular point of view, it will be much more focused on daily happenings and more, I would say, I guess, ordinary life things that people are most concerned with. But the archetypal point of view is more concerned with the soul rather than the person's daily concerns, if you will. Okay. Um, Okay. It's it's a really powerful, universal uh, point of view is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Um, and and do 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 you read the cards for yourself or or for other people or is this just I more do. of an academic pursuit, you know? No, it's both. I think you cannot get into the tarot cards without both because the images are so compelling. So even though it's an academic pursuit, the images themselves will start speaking to you at a certain point and you will want to interact with them on on the, you know, personal basis, I would say. So I have done it for myself and for my students and so on. Right, right, but, right. Uh, well, I, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Well, well, I was going to say, um, you know, just to uh, throw in, I think, maybe an interesting anecdote here. Uh, you know, last night in the class, um, well, first of all, let me say that, you know, a lot of my friends read the Tarot, but I never sure. really got a chance to get into it because I simply didn't have the time, and I was focused on other things, and, you know, now that I've sort of hit my second Saturn return, and a lot of the things I was doing, I don't feel serve me anymore, and it's not my path, and they've sort of fallen away, one of the things I decided to do with the little bit extra time that I had was actually pursue this because I've always wanted to but you know as I said it just felt uh, oh the idea of having to memorize these cards and all of that it just it felt like more than I could bite off so last night you know was really kind of the first time I've ever tried to read the cards so to speak and we only read um, one card. I, I mean, at this point, you know, we we pulled a card for someone who asked a question, and we and we took a shot at reading the card, basically uh, just using the symbols. And you know, uh, I'm one of these Virgo sort of people, and uh, I'm a lot more left brain than right brained. But I was amazed at how well we all did, including myself, just sort of opening up to that. I don't know, the Akashic Record or our intuition, whatever it is you want to call it, you know, just by looking at the symbols of the cards, um, you know, it, uh, it, you know, it, it, it was amazing, really. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing uh, when you start really looking at a card, the amount of information that is there. And then you will find when you do a reading for someone, and just with one card, you will find that maybe some particular aspect of the card will come out more than another, or you will notice something in the card that you maybe hadn't noticed before. And then, of course, there is, you know, what you call the amplification, where you will get, you know, depending on your personal uh, connection with the history of the card, the mythology of the images, then you, you can expand 
on that understanding. And it's there in every single card. I mean, to, to give you just a little brief example, is the very first card is the fool. And there is so much information. And depending on, on your own knowledge and connection, you can tease out so many different things. So just for the, with the number zero, I don't know if uh, that other, your person last night talked about that, but the zero itself is a notion that is, you know, that first came through um, North Africa and in India. And it was considered uh, a very controversial notion only available to uh, certain people because, because, and this is one of the functions of the, uh, of the Tarot, the archetypal images, because the zero contains both and, the idea of emptiness and the idea of um, fullness, right? It is a circle, so it contains everything. It's like infinite possibilities. And yet at the same time, it is complete emptiness. It is nothing. So the idea that a concept could contain duality is in itself, uh, uh, was, was seen as a, as a part of the sort of alchemical mystery that not everybody should have access to because it was like a dangerous notion, if you will. So just that, in, in that notion of the zero, you have all these different cultures included, right, where it came from. You have something that contains both light and shadow or duality, which is one of the gifts of the archetypes of the Tarot, of the major arcanas, the idea that they contain both light and shadow duality. Because in our world, in our created world, we think in duality. And these slowly take you through different levels of being able to hold the tension between the two, because each of the cards contains both, to the, the opposite, and even transcending that idea until it becomes one. So in that sense, for me, like holding that idea of going, you know, understanding the tension and being able to hold light and shadow. I mean, we live today now in a world that is so divided, right? Duality is like, it's all about opposites. And here, these cards, these major arcanas, show us that you actually can hold both. And that is part of their power. And, and that's part of what helps us go towards transformation. It's like slowly becoming familiar with that idea. Well, and, it's, it, it will, and, and I think maybe another way to say it or another uh, aspect of it is there's so many layers to the card. I mean, just from the standpoint Absolutely. of it seems, seems like there's a spiritual level to the card and maybe there's also the, the mundane, everyday life, physical level yes. of, to uh-huh. the cards as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you see, you know, what I love also is that contained in each image, you, there is actually many, um, there are these universal ideas that are reflected in many different cultures. You know, I was just talking about the zero with the fool. But the fool also has in its image, aside from the young man who is at the edge of this precipice in the card, he also has this dog with him. And he has, he's holding this fish. And you see 
in so many cultures, you know, you have these all these associations with what the dog represents that transcends, you know, so many different cultures. You know, it's it's really a very universal image. And then with the fish, you have, you know, from the Christian idea of the fish to the um, in both North. Uh, American uh, Indian, you know, North Native American cultures, uh, salmon is a very powerful image, and in in the Celtic, the Irish culture, you have all these stories about the salmon of wisdom and what it represents. So you have this sort of, um, you know, when you when you open up, you know, delve into the images and look at these different parts. You, you are so enriched by the imagery and what it contains. It's, it's, it's really, really almost endless in that way. So did you just say then, Raina, like with the, with the, the fool, um, mm-hmm. it, you know, holding, holding the dog, I mean, having the dog holding the fish, uh, if, you're, if you're Native American influenced versus Celtic influenced or something else, the, the reading could be different based on just on the reader's perspective. It, it is different, and at the same time, it has these universal ideas that are connected through all these different cultures which mm-hmm. is connected to, okay. for instance, with the fish, with the idea of wisdom. Uh, with right, the dog, right. it has to do with um, not just loyalty or best friend and companionship, but also natural instincts and intuition. Okay. Okay. So well, you know, you were mentioning... universal ideas. Uh, and, well, you were mentioning before that the cards, uh, you know, the tarot comes from uh, France, and that reminded me a very long time ago, and I'm, you know, grabbing this from, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago. Um, I think I recall Margaret Starbird might have been the person who said she believed a lot of the Mary Magdalene myths were hidden in plain sight in the, uh, in, in the tarot cards. And I know that's kind of off the subject a little bit, but I wonder if uh, that's something you're aware of or have ever heard of before. Um, that's an interesting thought. I'm not sure about about that, but I they are they what for me what they are connected to and maybe hiding in plain sight would be the alchemical images uh, that were so powerful in the Middle Ages. They're very, very similar. There's a lot of similarities, which also, you know, it's, it's the whole idea of transforming lead into gold, which is, you know, you can't take literally, uh, although some people do, um, but it has to do with transformation uh, into the spiritual essence or the spiritual gold, you know, connecting so to that's the soul. What the, that's so that's what the metaphor that's what the metaphor turning um, lead into gold is, your spiritual transformation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you look okay. at alchemical images and you look at the major arcanas, you will find a lot of similarities between the okay. two. Okay. So is there a most important card? <laughs> well, um, that's a very good question because they are all important because they're part, they're part of a process. 
but I would say one of the essential cards to me is the one, the magician. Um, and one of the main reasons, I would say, um, I, you know, that I, I personally look at the magician and not, you know, the 22nd card, which represents the world, which could be, you know, possibly viewed as the most important card, is because it holds the four elements as well. And it shows you what is needed to have a, a, a transformation in your life. Um, it is the creator aspect who remembers the mystery that you came from. It holds all the tools of recovery to bring forth that alchemical gold of your soul. You know, the coin, the sword, the wand, and the cup, those four elements, are connected to the four different main aspects of life, to the four elements, and, and so on and so forth. So they br- it brings everything into relationship and into balance. So I can go into more details, you know, about the four elements and, oh, and yeah. so on. If you'd yeah, like. I, I, I do. I, yeah, I would like you to do that. And I, and I want to make sure we don't forget um, uh, to talk about, I think, the two cards that seem to scare people the most, the death card sure. and maybe the hangman card. But, but since sure. you were already starting to go in the direction of the, the elements and the directions, why don't you talk about that a little bit? Okay. So the four tools of the magician um, are you have the coin, the sword, the wand, or the staff, and the cup. And they will appear in all the minor arcanas. So the magician holds all the minor arcanas, if you will. And um, each one of those is related to the four elements and also to the four essential aspects of life. So the four elements being um, coin is connected to earth, the sword is air, the wand or staff is fire, and the cup is water. So those four tools are also connected and deal with the four major aspects that a, a human life is about. The, which the coin are, is connected. Which, which are <laughs> the coin is connected <laughs> to the physical world. So anything that we create, that we manifest in the world, our physical body, all of that is connected to the coin. So also our ability to like even you know the mundane aspects of life, making money, all of that is connected to the coin. Um. And of course, um, the the idea here is like how developed is that aspect in your life? That would be the question, and then uh, the tests that come in your life to enhance that. And I, I have a I have a story I can tell you about this, if you'd like afterwards. Sure. So yeah. the sword is connected to the mental or intellectual aspect. How clear is your mind and your thinking, your process, your your the communication of your neurons, and how do you communicate with other people? So anything that's connected to the mental process and to the intellect 
is connected to that sword, you know, the sword that can discern between truth and falsehood, the sword that can really cut through the, the veil of illusion and really reveal something powerful and true. So all of that is connected to your, your mental and intellectual aspect. And how, you know, how clear is that, right? Okay. Uh, um, the other, the next tool um, would be, the, I talked about the wand or the staff. So that is connected to your intuition, your imagination, your creativity, and it is also the fire of the soul. So it's also very more, much more spiritual and creative aspect of your life. Okay. And then um, the fourth one is the water, and that has to do with your feeling capacity, your emotions. So your capacity to love, to, to give love and receive love, for instance. You know, how... The cups. How, yes. How open are you to that? Right? Okay. All of that feeling connection. So this is what the magician presents to you. Um, your ability to um, explore and bring into balance all four aspects of life. And the journey of the tarot, if you will, the, the cycles that repeat are there to take you to the point where all four aspects of life are fully developed in harmony and in balance. That is not an easy thing to do. Right? No. Like maybe for, that's, for instance, maybe that's why we keep coming we keep coming back. Right. <laughs> well when you reach when you when all four are fully in harmony and balance and fully developed, you're enlightened, basically. You reach mm-hmm. that, you know, the highest level. But most of us are not there, you know. Like for instance you could have like a a scientist who has an incredibly well-developed um, intellectual, mental aspect of his life, but who could be, you know, lousy at relationships, and and his whole right. feeling capacity is shut down. So his right. task, you know, in this life or the next life, would be to come into harmony with all the 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 aspects that are underdeveloped, if you will. So I it's, see. It's, okay. Um, so there is a, a true story, which I think is a very good story, about <clears throat> a person who was a really well-known in her community. She was a Sikh uh, as, a, as a woman of prayer. She was highly spiritually developed um, and a wonderful person. And people would come to her for counsel and so on. Very prayerful and spiritual woman, and she really had completely let go of all the material aspects of life. And so she would, like, stay at other people's houses, and they took her in, and they fed her, and so on. So she didn't have her own place. She didn't do any of that. She was completely focused on her spiritual life. And... Uh, one day she expressed this desire to go meet this guru in India, this great teacher. And so they raised the funds for her. 
and she was able to go to India and meet this man that she thought she would have a lot in common with. She thought it would be a really powerful connection for her. She was always looking to expand her her, her spiritual strengths, you know, and um, mm-hmm. so she went to meet him, and when you go to a darshan in India, you kind of have to wait until the guru speaks to you. So she was sitting, she went to meet him, she was sitting in front of him, and waiting and waiting and waiting and the guru was not saying anything to her and he was just looking at her and not really talking and she started kind of thinking well why did I come all this way there's nothing going on and then finally he talked to her and he said to her go get a job and she was extremely surprised by this admonition from this guru and it was completely not what she expected from him because they thought they were going to have this great spiritual connection and here he is telling her to go get a job so she had a lot of time on the flight back which was many many hours to think about what he said at first she was really kind of obsessed by the whole thing and she thought he was you know crazy but he was this great, renowned guru, and she did, you know, think about what he said. And finally, she thought, well, he must have a reason for asking me to do this. And so she decided to start to actually earn a living and work when she came back to California. And she did that, and she started her own company and became very successful, and seven years later decided that maybe it was time to go see that guru again. And this time she paid for herself, she had a house, she employed other people, and she had her own business. Again, as I said, she was extremely successful. So she went back to see the guru, and... Again, the same process, she went, you know, to to sit in front of him and waited for him to say something, and she kind of got a little bit nervous because, again, he wasn't really talking for quite a long time. He was just observing her. And finally he said, okay, now give it up. Give it all up. And the, it was a very big lesson for her. Obviously, the the part of her that was most fully developed, if you go back to the Tarot, was the wand, right, the fire of her spirituality. But the coin aspect, the more mundane, everyday life, was not at all in balance. So what the Gora did was ask her to develop that aspect, basically. And she became right. extremely successful And so it is much easier to give up something when you don't have it. Yes. (laughs) And after she had developed it and become really successful, she had way more to lose if you, you know, literally. Right. And so in order to bring all of these things into balance, she really had to explore the coin before she could actually give it up. Right? Because you can't really give up something you don't have. Yeah, and that was a sense. big, 
Right. So that was a big lesson for her on her way to to become whole, to wholeness. She had to work through an aspect of life, you know, one of those four aspects that was not developed at all in her. And I, I love to tell this story because, it's a, first of all, it's a true story. And it, I think it illustrates really well that for everyone, it doesn't matter whether you're really spiritual or not, everyone needs to develop all four aspects of life to become really, to become, to get to the place of wholeness or balance. And then you can and totally turn over to that co-creator aspect with life. Right, right. And and so um, what was the final, uh, what was the final part of the story? Did she, did she go home and give it up and did that yes, put her in balance? A, Yes, she created a nonprofit foundation. Yes. Okay. Yes. And and so do, can can we know who this is or is this private? No, this is private. I can't say. Okay. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Yes. Yes. Um, it's just an so, example so to very, illustrate this. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I totally get that. That is so cool. Um, <laughs> wow. What a challenge he he put to her, and uh, yes. you know, mm-hmm. and and for her to go back home and give it all up after she built it all up too. Wow. <laughs> yes, exactly. Very powerful <laughs> lesson. So, um, so going back to the different individual cards, um, talk yes. a little bit about the de- the death card and the hangman. Okay. Sure. Um, well, they actually follow each other, which is uh, interesting. When you look at the series of cards, it's interesting to see what comes before and what comes after. So the hangman comes before the death card. The hangman is number 12, and the death card is number 13. Um, so in the hangman, what's really fascinating about that card is that the man is hanging upside down and he's only really held by one foot upside down his his hands are behind his back probably tied and there's a big halo around his head so there's a lot of um, and if you actually look at the card uh, up the, the other way around up, upside down you actually Reversed. get it yeah, reverse, exactly. Um, you see that there is actually a lot of vitality in the card and um, that he doesn't look too perturbed by the whole thing. And in this case, this is all about having the right attitude to something. So I, when, I, when I talk about this card, I always ask my, 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 my question to my students is, what does it mean when your life is turned upside down? That's the question. What does it mean when your life is turned upside down? I'm asking you. Well, uh, oh, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about it. Well, you know, um, okay. it, it, uh, I, when your life is turned upside down, I always think that's the universe trying to put you on a different path. Um, it seems um, it, it seems to be a horrible thing, and in the moment it probably feels like that. But usually down the road it's a gift. 
Um, I don't know if yeah. that's where you're mm-hmm. going with that, but that's what popped into sure. my head. Sure. Well, on a very, you know, simple level, when your life is turned upside down, it's like nothing that you thought was supposed to be happening is happening anymore. Like all the plans right. you've made are have completely radically changed. And the main idea about this is that you are not in control. Ah, so okay. So th- that's the biggest thing here. That's the biggest lesson. And these two reactions that are very human that usually happens when something big happens in your, li- in your life that you're not in control over and that you don't really want to be happening the, the first reaction that usually comes out of someone's mouth is, this cannot be happening to me. This can't be happening. There's a, a kind of a denial of the fact that it's actually really happening. And because it takes like a, a, a while for the human being to adjust to this idea that something they did not want, that they did not plan, and that it's the opposite of what they wanted is actually taking place. So that first reaction is always, this, is, this can't be happening. And that's the resistance. And in the card, what the card is showing you is a sense of acceptance and surrender, that you are not totally in control of this, but that if, uh. you, accept, if you accept that this is actually happening and you surrender, then an opening is created. Right? Because when you are in, an, in a resistance state, you are closing yourself off of life in a certain way. Like your whole energy so, is about saying no. But the whole point so of it's, the So it's kind of telling you to go, go with the flow. It's telling you to go with the flow? Yeah, it's, it's, yes, in, absolutely. It's telling you to have acceptance and to trust that life has something to give you if you can open yourself to it. Right? Okay. If you get out of your resistance, then it's going to be much easier for you, right? What you resist persists, right? That's the yeah. thing. So yes. the more you resist, the, more, the longer you're going to be in pain about this situation. Okay. That's what the card is showing you. It's not a bad card. It's just telling you this is the attitude you need to adopt in this case. Acceptance, surrender, and openness to what wants to come. Okay. Not easy to, it's not easy to get there. Our, our instinct is to resist and to fight. But in yeah. certain, certain instances, it's, it's not going to be helpful. It's just going to make things last longer and be more painful. Okay. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. It 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 uh it, it does absolutely. Um, you know, it, it it's sorta of like you have to just um buckle down and go for the ride that the universe uh is putting you on and think of it as an adventure rather than uh white you know, than going through it in white knuckled fear. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that there's actually wisdom and a depth of wisdom that will be available to you as a result of this experience if you open yourself up to it. Okay. And and so then the other dreaded card, the death card? Yeah. So that's the card 
um, first of all, the death card, uh, it's, it's not about death. It's about, or it's about, that's just half of the card. And the reason it's about more than that is if you kind of break it down, it's really made of the two, two numbers, the 10 and the 3. The 10 is the wheel of fortune. It's destiny. So it's, it's this uh, wheel that, that moves and changes, right? It goes round and round and round. So the wheel of destiny is always turning. And so we go through experiences, but then they, they're constantly changing. And the three is the archetype of the empress, which is all about rebirth, nature, fullness, um, mothering, uh, giving birth to life. So that tells you a lot about what the death card is about. It's about transformation. It's about death and rebirth. And we go through this types of transformation throughout our entire life. In order to be born into this world, we have to die to the world of the womb. That's our first transformation. That's our first death and rebirth, right? You go through the birth canal, it's like a death. It's a transformation. Right. And then you're born into this world. In order to become an adult, you have to go through the death of your childhood. You go through this huge transformation in adolescence, right? Where mm-hmm. the hormones kick in, everything changes, right? It's a big death and rebirth process. You die to the world of being single when you get married. That's a huge death and rebirth. It's like, you know, the, the guys go have their bachelor party because they know they're going to die. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a huge death and rebirth process for most, for, you know, most people, certainly, for sure. Yeah. So yeah. becoming a parent is a huge death and rebirth, Right. It's death to being more self-involved or just being there for your own life and having to learn how to be there for someone else, right? So it's a huge death and rebirth process. So we're giving these death and rebirth processes throughout our entire lives. The loss of a job is a death and, and rebirth process. An illness is a death and rebirth process. So we are... We're kind of in these parentheses between that first experience of being born into this world and that end experience of being born into the next world. We constantly go through these death and rebirth processes. And that's what this card is about, letting go of one aspect of life and being ushered into a new one. It's the archetype of transformation in the card. Mm. Interesting. So it's never well, just an ending. <laughs> right, right. And certainly not a, uh, you know, it doesn't mean a, a physical death as the card, uh, you know, might no. make you think when you first look at it. No, no. And so in, Raina, in the card, oh, let me just finish one, one thing about the card. Sure. Um, in the sure. card, generally there is, there is like under the, the main figure of, what represents death, you'll have several figures, human figures. There'll be like an old man or a younger woman. And very often there is a, a, a child holding this kind of rectangle that's 
most people wondering what the hell is that about. And it's, it's a, just an empty tablet, or what in Latin would be referred to as tabula rasa, um, which is like um, the idea of the, the blank slate, if you will. So again, there's this emphasis into a new birth, being birthed into a new life through this process of transformation. Okay. Um, well, and you know, I'm wondering about the strength card, um, how the the person, the woman in the card with the lion, uh, she has yes. that um, infinity sign over her head. Yes, the infinity sign, uh, which is also found found with the uh, the magician. Actually, this is the second time that usually the infinity sign comes up. So this is again, it's about learning to deal with this um, uh, tension of opposites or duality where you have the lion which can, you know, very significantly represent the, the power of the, the physical world, the power of the natural instincts. And here you have this woman in, in some, some tarot deck, she's even like barely dressed or half naked and sometimes she's not who is actually like sitting on the back of the the lion or actually opening the mouth of the lion and you get a sense that the 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 feminine here is the the connected to soul the idea of soul being in balance with the physical world or being connected to the physical world and it's actually the connection between and the balance or harmony between these two opposites that creates that third aspect of the infinity that the card represents. It's not letting your instincts take over, but being in balance with them. And, and the one who can do that, tame those instincts, if you will, is not the intellect. It's not the mental will but it is the feeling and soulful capacity of the human being that actually can tame the natural instincts. You know how we so often, like, we tell ourselves, oh, I need to stop, you know, uh, let's say, eating chocolate every day. I need to do that. And just will alone usually doesn't do it. That's because the soul needs to be engaged, right? It's, it's a much... Um, different kind of so it's not a battle anymore but it's about coming into harmony with those instincts as opposed to fighting them and that's real strength that's real strength the strength comes from that harmony between those opposites that's what creates spiritual strength if you will and, well, you know, I wonder, too, one of the interesting things last night was uh, some of the students, you know, we were supposed to bring our decks, and some of uh-huh. the students had a, had a, had a lust card and, and, uh, as one of the archetypes. Um, is, which card was that replacing? Was that the strength card? Um, well, the, the, there's an interesting thing that happens in several decks, depending on where they're from. Where, so the number of the, the strength card is usually number eight, but in some uh, 
cards, the, it's switched with the justice card, which is also very much about balancing between opposites, which is uh, card number 11. So depending on the deck that you have, these two will be switched. Of so justice and lust. Justice and strength. It's Oh, justice and strength. So, so where? We'll so be, I'm sorry. We'll where, be, did, uh, where did the lust switch. card come in? The lust card can be um, related to the strength card because we are dealing with the natural instincts. And this idea I was talking about, where uh. if you get yourself overwhelmed by your instincts or your desires, right? Like lust, for instance. Yes. But it's yes. Much much, um, I think it's much more than that. I think just looking at it as lust is kind of a narrow way of looking at it. Because what the card okay. shows you, the strength card shows you that it's really about bringing into balance the instincts with um, the courage of the soul, if you will. Okay. Well, um, you know, I, I have kind of an interesting little story, and this isn't about archetypes so much, but it is about using the cards uh, as, um, a, you know, as a tool, uh, I don't know, to maybe give some insight, if you will. Um, now, mm-hmm. now, bear in mind, I'm not, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a reader, you know, um, but yeah. I did, you know, I did have in my possession – um, I, I think it's called the Way of the Cartouche. Uh, it's, it's, I guess you'd call it more of an oracle deck because there's only like maybe 32 cards in it, and it's Egyptian-oriented. And, you know, I would really only use it like to pull a card now and then or something like that. You know, I didn't you – know, I wasn't serious about it. I don't know what all the cards meant, and, uh, but I liked it because I'm sort of Egyptian-oriented and, and Isis priestess and that sort of thing. Well, anyway, my husband and I had plans that we were going to fly out of town to go look at a piece of property that was on sale. Now, we have traveled a lot uh, to sacred sites, uh, I mean, across five continents, you know, so we're, we're, we're travelers, you know. Well, the morning that we were supposed to get up to take the flight, the alarm clock didn't go off. And I found that, I, I don't know, I, I found that incredibly unusual. It was a huge red flag to me. And um, I, it, it alarmed me, I guess, no pun intended. Um, so I'm in the shower thinking about this. And something made me, um, you know, go get the deck because I felt like something was wrong. Something just wasn't right. So I, I get the deck and I shuffle the cards and I pull out a card and it was uh, uh, the, the fire card. And I went to the book to see, okay, so what does the fire card mean? And the things that really popped out at me were uh, the fire, uh, something about um, uh, uh, appliances not working, electricity failing, and somehow it was connected to not frittering away your money. Okay, so that just you know uh, that that made me uh, you know like you know raise an eyebrow and like really um, you know stop and pause. Yeah. Well, pay, but, pay attention. But, 
yeah, pay attention. But but you know, but here we had a plan and people were expecting us and you know, we were like, you know, going to go catch the next flight. And so I said, "Okay, let me do this again." So I shuffled the cards and I I say, "Okay, what what am I what's happening here? What am I supposed to get from this? What do I need to know?" And damned if I don't pull the fire card again. Okay? So I went ahead and I did it a third time. Now, Raina, what are the odds I am going to pull the fire card again? After shuffling that deck three times, I got that fire card over and over and over. Well, needless to say, I, we, I told my husband when, you know, I said, look, this is what happened, Roy, and I, I have no logical you know, lo, no logical explanation for this other than I think we need to follow what the universe is maybe trying to tell us, and let's not take this trip. Let's not go, you know, let's not take the trip. Let's not go buy the property. And we did. That was a wise, now, I don't, wise decision. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. You know, I don't know what would have happened if we had, but um, it, that was, a, I don't know, it was just an amazing story I felt. And the odds were just, um, you know, I felt like they were incredible that that card came up three times in a row. And I sort of, uh, I don't know, I, I wrote about it actually in, in my second book, Walking an Ancient Path, because I felt like it was maybe, you know, an example of learning to trust your intuition or learning to trust your connection to um you know the the cosmos or goddess or whatever you want to call it. You know, it 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 really felt like something was warning me away. Yeah, so. absolutely, absolutely. I'm saying <laughs> that's a very powerful story. So so I'm I'm wondering in all the years you've been doing this, um, any any aside from the one you told us, uh, any other stories about uh, you know how the cards have impacted somebody's life? Oh, I've I've had so many stories. It's hard to to uh, think about them all. But I have a very simple, like really. Um, uh, there's one that's just coming to mind very simply. Uh, of course, I had one of my one of my students who, in my um, in my class, there's always a lot of people. There's always at least one who is like really doesn't believe in any of this and thinks it's just you know a load of crap and so on and so forth. And uh, I'm always I never I'm I'm always happy to have someone like that because the archetypes are so powerful and they they are such truth tellers you know the, the the cards never lie you can lie to yourself with your mind but the cards never lie they're connection they're connected to such a deeper wisdom um that just transcends everything so uh, i i usually do towards the end of the class everybody kind of picks a card and so on and he um he picks the, the the death card, which is a card of transformation, of letting go of something and something new coming. And um, and I and I said to him, oh, there's a big ending coming in your life right now. And I had this intuition that it had to do with his relationship. And uh, and I and I said to him, I think you just prepare yourself that you know your 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 relationship might. Uh, be going through a big transformation, and he just kind of 
laughed it off and didn't believe it and whatever, whatever. And then uh, a few weeks later, he um, he came to see me and he was like, oh, my God, I, I will never doubt you again. And he was like, oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, his, his, his girlfriend had broken up with him and he came for him. He felt it was out of the blue and he couldn't believe it and it just, you know, completely wow. changed. Yeah, he had to move out of his place. I mean, he completely, because they were living together. I mean, it was just complete transformation of his life. And, right. And, um, you know, his living, his, what he was going to do, he had to get a new job. I mean, it just everything just completely radically changed. And it, it, it was for the better. I mean, it, 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 eventually it was really for the best, and then he met this new person who was just lovely and so on. But he, it was like he just couldn't believe it, you know. Like his whole yeah, entire life was just, yeah, completely yeah, blew him away. Blew his mind. Yes. <laughs> Well, you know, you know, so, one thing I do want to say, one thing I do want to say about the cards, and maybe it's more about the readers than the cards. Um, you know, uh-huh. I haven't, I haven't had a, I haven't had a ton of readings in my life, quite frankly. But I'd probably say it's been a, been fifty fifty on readings that felt relevant, that came true, and ones that just totally missed the mark. And, you know, and you said, you know, the cards never lie. So, and, 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 you know, and I tend to kind of believe that. So uh, do you, do you, um, so do do you think it's really the, uh, the interpretation of the reader that makes that difference? Well, probably depending on where the reader and how much, you know, you have kind of be to kind of, Stay out of your own way as a as a reader to really kind of be open to step into someone else's life with the cards. And so, if you bring too much of your own uh, story to the to the reading, then it's going to be much harder to be clear. And if you have an agenda about the reading, that's also going to make it much harder to be clear. So. To answer your question, yes, I think uh, because the cards are the cards are not always clear in the sense that they are so multi-layered, as we talked about in the beginning, and they have such depth that it some can be hard to give a straight answer to something because the, the cards are not about a yes and no answer; they're about the direction of your life and your destiny and what you know what events are going to propel or shift you into a deeper connection with your own soul. I mean, the point of these, these tools is that they're trying to put, to put your soul in line with you. You know, they're trying to get you to a place of wholeness. So whatever is in the way has to change. And right. that's not an easy process and that's not a simple process. So giving a reading to someone is, is never that simple. And and some people are more gifted than others. They're more intuitively connected. Um, but I, I, at the bottom of it, it really has to do with, you know, you, every reading really is trying to tell you what it is that needs to change or be transformed in your life so you can become more whole. Yeah. 
so you can well, become more whole and be more connected to your soul. I mean, that's the bottom line. And so it will right. appear in different ways to different people because different people have different things they need to work on. Right, aspects. right. Well, and, and you know, um, and, and, and piggybacking on that, you know, I'm thinking about something somebody told me once in a reading, and it came from a woman who, um, it's a pretty good reader, you know, she, she makes her living doing this, so, um, you know, she must be pretty accurate, you know, that she, uh, you know, is, has been able to support herself like that. You know, she told me in a reading once, she said, um, um, she said, I, I don't quite understand this, but there's something to do with you going into politics and, um, and, and there's some, some sort of a guy attached to it. You know, something about a man uh, is involved with uh, getting you into politics or something like that. Well, I couldn't imagine in my wildest dreams at my age that I would go into politics. And, you know, I don't have those kinds of connections, people with that kind of money, you know, to, uh, to be able to go into politics. But, but I am very you know, political, social justice oriented, and I wondered, well, what in the world could this be? And and going, you know, going back to this idea of, you know, it's the interpretation, I started to think later, um, it wasn't too long after that, uh, it was during the oh, the brouhaha between, you know, Bernie and Hillary during that campaign season that was so rocky. And there was a really good friend. Well, you know, I, don't, I shouldn't say he was a really good friend because looking back on it, that was probably an illusion. But a male friend of mine, um, you know, there was such conflict around the politics of the election with Bernie versus Hillary. You know, we were on different sides of the fight, so to speak. And not only did it uh, fracture our friendship, but it also fractured a group that we both belong to uh, because the Hillary Bernie thing fractured the group. And so I'm thinking now, wow. looking back on this, you know, that this really wasn't anything about me going into politics and some guy facilitating that. Maybe what she was seeing was this big change that was coming in this friendship, and it had to do with politics. But she didn't really yeah. understand what she was seeing, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think it's when yes. you're trying to get too specific about certain e human events, because the cards are really about what is best for the soul, it can get a little muddy. You know, it can get muddled yeah. and a little confusing, I would say. Yeah, I think that, yeah, yeah. You know, people get lost yeah. in details and, and they want to know specifics where it's really about, well, it's about your soul destiny and desire to become whole. That's what it's really about. Right. And right. So whatever comes so, up is, is trying to help you with that, you know. Right. Well, um, you know, I, we're probably coming to the end here, um, but I want to ask you, do you have a favorite card? <laughs> do I have a favorite card? Yes. Um, my favorite card is probably... Well, I think it's because I get it a lot, but um, it's temperance, I think. Okay. It's not a very, temperance is not a very well-known card. People don't know what to 
make uh, of it most of the time, but it's really about the process of becoming whole. It's, it's one of the most alchemical cards. It's the number 14. And um, you see this, this angel that even the angel looks like it's, he's like part uh, bird, part angel, and he's like going back and forth with these two cups and doing this alchemical process of this, this uh, liquid going back and forth between these two cups while standing on water, and there's the sun in the back and so on. And uh, it's really about showing us th- this, this idea of having to refine, keep refining, and keep working at this process. And uh, okay. it's this, yeah, a chemical process of transformation, and it takes time. And um, Well, you know, what... One of the cards that um, seemed to pop up for me a lot was the Empress card. What, what's the Empress card oh. about? Oh, the Empress card is all, it's, you know, about creative fullness. And it's really the card of, of Mother Nature. It's really um, uh, of giving birth to new ideas, all of that. I mean, the shadow side of it is about being um, a little uh, too overbearing or overwhelming for others. So mm-hmm. to, to watch that part, because in trying to protect, you can prevent growth, right? A mother who protects her child too much is actually preventing that child from finding their own uh, independence and power. So there is that shadow side to the Empress. Uh, But it's also an incredibly uh, positive, you know, card in terms of growth and creativity and giving birth to all kinds of new life and new ideas. So that would would make sense that you get that card a lot, I would think. (laughs) So, well, now you're going to be at the Goddess Temple again pretty soon, right? Yeah, I believe so, in October. Um, yeah, so let's uh, let's just mention that. I think it's the first Saturday in October uh, for any of the listeners that might actually be in Southern California or near Irvine. Uh, you'd get to uh, meet Raina. She's going to be back uh, at the Goddess Temple slash Museum of Woman uh, for the Joseph Campbell Roundtable out there, and she's going to be talking about uh, this subject, I believe. Yes, I'm going to be talking about the tarot, and I guess what's nice is that, you know, I'll be um, showing the cards so you'll get a chance to really look at them, and uh, because they're such, you know, visual symbols. I mean, we we did, I think we did a good job talking about them and and explaining some of them, but uh, you'll get a chance to actually see them, and uh, I'll probably do a little bit of a reading for the people if they'd like to like that at the end. Sounds good. So um, yeah. as we close, uh, as we close our chat here, Raina, um, is there anything I didn't think to ask you um, that you think is important uh, to share with listeners? Well, in terms of the cards, um, I would say transformation is, for the most part, always starts with a descent in the unconscious. And the idea is, just like in fairy tales, you have, 
you know, someone doing what is not allowed. There's a, an idea of the idea of the transgression, if you will. And you, you can't have change or experience uh, a transformation without some kind of descent into the unconscious. And the, and the cards, the major arcana especially, are allies and, and guides in that journey into the unconscious and into the, you know, in, in the path of transformation. Okay. Well, um, you know, I, I'm still, uh, I, I'm still sort of, um, you know, grinning from ear to ear over the idea that here I just started my tarot class, and and here, and, and you're on the show tonight. Uh, this was not actually planned this way, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, it happens like this uh, on on the show. You know, we have these interesting coincidences uh, sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I want to thank you. Uh, Thank you for all your uh, valuable information and wisdom tonight to uh, help us understand the Tarot a bit better. And I know the folks at the Goddess Temple are looking forward uh, to you being there uh, in just a couple weeks. Uh, again, the first Saturday in um, uh, in October, I believe, uh, I want to say it starts around 730 um, anyway, people who are interested could either contact me or go to the Goddess Temple of Orange County website uh, to, um, you know, to firm that information up. And uh, we invite everyone to attend. Um, All right. So, um, uh, anything else, Raina? Um, you want to say before we say good night? No, no. I just thank you so much for having me again on your show, on your podcast, and it was just lovely to speak with you and I'm so glad you started on your journey with the Tarot card. Well, I'll have to let you know how it goes. See if I stick with it, Absolutely. how good I get at it. <laughs> yeah, All right. Well, thank absolutely. you. Thank you. Thank you so much and um, you know, I look forward to having you at the Goddess Temple. Thank you for uh, you know, for going down there. I I I know everyone appreciates it. You're welcome and thank you so much. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Well, uh, before we move on to the next part of our show, uh, we have uh, a a new word from Joe Carson, and here she is. tell you about Joe Carson's film, Dancing with Gaia, an exploration of earth-based spirituality shot at sacred sites around the world. This is from Janina Renee, author of Playful Magic and By Candlelight. Dancing with Gaia is a magical, transformative film. Just watching it can alter your perception of the physical body and the energy field of the goddess Earth. Next time you are taking a walk or simply gazing across the landscape, you might find yourself affecting mystical fusion with the local earth forms or making deep contact with the spirits of place. If you want to engage deeper with the consciousness of the earth, there are a number of detailed but simple how-tos. What's more, seeing the exquisite works of these Gaia-inspired artists 
could energize you to start working on some of your own spiritually expressive projects. The DVD was shot in some of the most powerfully sacred sites in the Western world. It comes packaged with a 45-page color booklet, which goes even deeper into the ideas and techniques in the film. The package is just $20, and you can get it from dancingwithgaia.com. Well, and to add my two cents to, uh, you know, to that um, uh, assessment of Dancing with Gaia, I have to say, I've seen it. I have it in my library. Uh, I really do believe it's well done, uh, excellent, and a must-have. So uh, keep it in mind. And um, I was just talking about the Goddess Temple uh, of Orange County, uh, which is also the Museum of Woman. Uh, if uh, Again, if you're in the Southern California, Irvine area, and uh, you uh, like the stuff I talk about, or maybe you haven't met me yet, or uh, you're looking for an excuse to go check out the Goddess Temple and the wonderful sanctuary with uh, um, the immense seated a statue of Sekhmet, um, you have a good excuse because I will be there uh, on fourth Sunday in September, which is open to everyone. Uh, fourth Sunday every, um, you know, every month uh, is not just women, it's uh, for the whole entire community. And uh, I am going to be uh, guest ministering that Sunday, uh, filling in for Ava, uh, the center holder and foundress of the temple. Uh, I'm going to guest minister and also give a talk and the talk is to have or to be which do we choose moving forward and so what do I mean by that well um, to have or to be those are the two modes of existence uh, that's sort of struggling fiercely for the hearts minds and spirit of humanity um, or we dedicated to remain in having mode uh, dedicated to material possessions and property aggressiveness and personal gain uh, with all the accompanying uh, evils of war power over domination exploitation or um, shall we consider an alternative something different uh, to create that new normal we talk about which would be the being mode which is imbued with love the spirit of caring spiritual courage and a, a proper regard for humanity which leads to contentment, pleasant sufficiency, um, uh, and, and a more profound relationship with nature uh, or goddess. Uh, so are we willing to make the trade-offs? Uh, what would this look like? You know, how can we make the transition? So I'll be talking about that uh, on uh, Sunday, September 24th, and uh, services start at 11 a.m. to 12.30, and there's always potluck and socializing afterwards, so uh, you can get to know some like-minded folks. And then um, Friday, October 6th, uh, I am going to actually be in North Hills. Uh, that's in the San Fernando Valley. Uh, I'm going to be at the Sepulveda Unitarian Universalist uh, Society Church, uh, otherwise known to a lot of folks as The Onion uh, because of its unique uh, Con configuration. It actually looks like an onion and has these wonderful acoustics. Um, anyway, they are having uh, their uh, World Healing and Meditation Ceremony sponsored by the Spiritual Unity Movement, and they have asked me uh, to be the speaker and to lead a guided meditation. And um, the topic I'm going to be speaking on is the power of goddess ideals 
uh, to change our world. And, um, uh, well, what does that actually mean? Well, uh, the description of the talk goes like this. Uh, You're not alone if you believe domination and authoritarian patriarchy are destroying countless lives on our planet. There is a more sustainable alternative, and it's not new. In fact, it's ancient. Exiled for a time but making a return, the sacred feminine has become indelibly integrated into our lives, reminding humanity during this time of crisis that the ideals of the great she offer a pathway to a secure and more sustainable future. As people lose faith and organize religion, as the paradigm of power shifts across the globe, as climate change quickly approaches a point of no return, people are leading using their divine intelligence from goddess teachings to find solutions and sanctuary. Using the wisdom and activism suggested in sacred feminine liberation theology, I'll I'll discuss one of the many ways goddess spirituality uh, has grown and matured in the minds of her advocates to inspire the birth of a new world and usher in a time of security, partnership, peace, equality, and prosperity for all. So that uh, is Friday, October 6th. Uh, 6.55 p.m. to 8.45, that is a Friday night. So if you're in the North Hills area, uh, come uh, spend the evening with us. And then uh, finally, one other talk I have. It's been a a busy fall. Uh, On Sunday, the 15th of October, uh, Pagan Pride Day is back uh, for its annual event at the Rainbow Lagoon in Long Beach. And uh, I am giving a talk at 2 o'clock, followed by a book signing uh, at 3. And my topic for Pagan Pride Day is Visioning the Community's Future. Um, and uh, what I vision for the community revolves around the ideas of spiritual courage, partnership, and caring. Um, and uh, here's a description of that talk. It goes like this. Down with the patriarchy. May patriarchy fall. Well, that was the rallying cry of the first goddess spirituality group I belonged to in the 90s. We knew things weren't working for lots of people, particularly women, but we didn't talk much about what we did want for the future or how we might get there. Getting beyond Goddess 101, let's consider how we might mature and expand what we mean uh, when we say uh, be a goddess advocate. Let's get beyond the vague threefold law or golden rule and consider a more specific compass to raise our consciousness for ourselves, our community, and our future. Let's begin seriously thinking how we can manifest a new normal and advance a new path forward. I'll have some copies of uh, my newest book, Goddess 2.0, Advancing a New Path Forward, uh, available at uh, Pagan Pride Day uh, on October 15th, as well as at The Onion on um, October 6th. And I might bring some books to the Goddess Temple for September 24th. So um, those are some of the things on my agenda, and I hope uh, you might... uh, you know, come and visit me, come say hello, because uh, if these are the kinds of things um, that you're interested in too, you know, it really helps us maintain our center uh, and uh, stay balanced when uh, we are around like-minded and supportive people. So I invite you to come out. 
And uh, turning uh, our attention to um, next week's show, next Wednesday I will have with me uh, Andrea uh, Matthews, and I invited her on the show because uh, she has an interesting topic that she talks about sometimes called The Mistaken Religion Taking Over America. Uh, and uh, I thought, hmm, that sounds provocative. Um, so, you know, we'll be talking about um, how Christianity uh, is a distortion of the feminine. And um, so anyway, we'll, we will be getting into that, um, you know, next week, beyond the obvious, um, uh, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, it's not your typical stuff. You know, we're going to get into some interesting things that uh, you might not have thought of or maybe um, uh, or maybe you have, uh, but I, I'm sure Andrea will be very uh, insightful. You know, there's so many of us uh, who hold so many pieces of the puzzle or threads of the tapestry, uh, as I like to say, um, you know, uh, leading with feminine principles, you know, for women and men, you know, it's not about hierarchy. It's about shared leadership, and uh, it's about partnership. And I think that's why I've been so interested in uh, doing anthologies for my last few books because, you know, it's really partnership and action. Um, you know, uh, collaborating with other people who have great ideas, and if we put all of these great ideas uh, together, then what a new normal we can make. Uh, so that's why uh, my first anthology was Voices of the Sacred Feminine. Uh, my second was Goddess 2.0. And the third, which we believe is coming out in the fall, is called Awaken the Feminine, Dismantling domination to restore balance on mother earth so um i guess the last thing i'd like to say before i go is uh if you enjoy this show um and if it has uh, helped you if it's been meaningful to your life um i would just invite you to pay it forward a bit uh because i do have to pay for airtime to bring you these great guests um, if you would uh, go to my website, KarenTate.com, uh, if you can afford to make even a small donation or uh, buy one or two of my books or goddess greeting cards or, uh, you know, DVDs, any of the other things I have available there, it does help me continue to be of service to the community uh, because, um, uh, you know, I believe that the things that we're talking about uh, or things that can actually uh, help us become our most authentic selves, help us create a world uh, that works for all of us. Uh, so if that's something you'd like to do, I would sure be appreciated, because uh, remember that saying, what you nurture, what you um, support, what you focus on, it survives, and what you neglect, uh, that withers. And I think that applies to all things, really, doesn't it? Uh, so if you would like to make a donation or buy a book, uh, it's always best if you buy books from the author rather than Amazon. Um, you can go to my website, KarenTate.com. Once you're there, uh, click on the Goddess Store page, and uh, you can look through the books, uh, look through the greeting cards of uh, Goddess Greeting Cards of Sacred Sites, uh, the DVDs that are there, 
And if you go uh, all the way down to the bottom, you have some donation options. Uh, some of the larger donations do come with free gifts that I can send you. Uh, or if you're not interested in that, if you go down to the very last button on the bottom of the page, you can actually make a donation of any amount. Well, uh, that about does it for me tonight. Uh, I hope you enjoyed uh, Raina and I's discussion of the Tarot uh, and our stories, uh, you know, associated with uh, Oracle decks and uh, Tarot cards. And uh, I invite you to be back next Wednesday, and please tell your friends about the show. And I am always happy to hear from you. So pop me an email at karentate108 at ca.rr.com. I like to get feedback from you, get uh, guest ideas, um, all of that good stuff. And uh, we're always happy to have you as part of the Voices of the Sacred Feminine Family. So I'm going to close tonight uh, with a little bit of music. Uh, Let's see, what should we pick here? I think since we started out with Celia, Uh, I'm going to go to Celia again, and uh, let's see, maybe we'll take a meta prayer. Yeah, this is Celia and her cut, meta prayer. Enjoy, stay cool, have a great weekend, stay safe, and good night.